In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. As we round out this series interviewing my kids, I hope you're finding some entertaining stories and recognize that we are very ordinary people, sometimes with unique adventure experiences. And I hope you're getting a glimpse at just a little bit of the behind the scenes. I will share that the family gap year, if you are on the email list, you will get the first email today of our first week. It has been I don't know. Week one feels like a vacation. Week two? Hmm. (laughs) Less so. We're currently making our way through our first major cold snap. So that has been quite an adventure, but it definitely is. We're settling in, finding a routine. So that is good. I'm excited to have my little man. So this 12-year-old has been in some ways, a typical first child, very responsible, always interested in learning different things, very hands-on, problem-solving type kid. And it has been so fun for me to watch him develop something such as a hobby or a passion or an interest into a business. And watching and supporting that along the way has also been a new form of adventure. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. At the very end, if you listen to the key takeaways, there is a way if you want to support him or join his email list, there'll be an option for that too. So if you're interested in supporting him in this endeavor or interested in learning more about fly fishing or fly tying or any of the things, there will be an opportunity to do that. So that will be at OrdinarySherpa.com backslash fly fishing, all one word. And there also will be a link to his order form in the show notes as well. But without any further ado, this is my 12-year-old little man. All right, little man, in a couple of weeks, we get out of school, we jump in the RV, and we take off on a family gap year. What are you excited about? Um, I'm excited about skiing and fishing, just everything pretty much outdoors. I just love it. <laughs> love it. That's pretty true. <laughs> yeah. When we're driving on these really long excursions, and I know we try to limit it a little bit, but what are some of the things you do in the RV? Um, I sometimes if I'm allowed by my mom or dad, I will ask to go on the Wi-Fi because we only have so much of it to go look at places where we're going, explore the cities that we're going to and just places for earlier on in the trip and to kind of see where we're heading next. And also I just like looking at the surroundings. Yeah. What kind of things are you thinking about in terms of, you know, we've had conversations about what will school look like on the road from the conversations we've had so far. What kind of things are you expecting or looking forward to there? Um, I'm expecting a lot more free time, if you would say, from school. I kind of can go by my own, I guess, learning capabilities and we'll probably still have to do as much school, just maybe... I can move faster than the regular class when Mm -hmm. in class it's all about everyone and what like the almost average of our speed is to figure out how fast we can move. Yeah. 
So we've tested this a little bit, haven't we, buddy? Yeah, we have. And I thought it was pretty fun. Do you remember the checklist that we had on the fridge? Yeah, that was kind of interesting. It was sometimes like, really, do I have to do this? And some days it's like, this is so easy. What are some of the, just for listeners to better understand what we're talking about, what are some of the things that are on that checklist, little man? Some of the things on checklist were like, learn. you have to learn something one day, you have to read for 20 minutes, and you have to help the house in a way, which is like cleaning or something like that. And then some of the other ones were, um, if you got everything done, you could have free choice, which was my brother's was usually going on a screen, which was yeah. I thought was kind of funny. There's a couple others on there that I would reinforce, like active time outside, actually just independent time and time outside. I always like that one. What kind of things do you like to do for free choice? Um, It depends. If it was in winter, I'd probably just go around, look at the tracks, try to see if I could see the animals or snowboard in my backyard or ski, mm-hmm. which I really like. Sometimes I could spend like three hours out there just building ramps and stuff and then trying them out and then fixing them. And it's just really fun to do. And then other days in the summer, I'd play baseball or soccer, play that, and lacrosse. I also like to play lacrosse. I don't play it with anyone. I just kind of play it for fun. And then some other days, I'd go fishing. We're next to a water source with decent fishing, and that's really fun to catch big fish in there. Yeah. Very cool. We'll talk about fishing here in a little bit. But let's just talk about like life as a 12-year-old boy. What kind of things do you do for fun? We talked a little bit about like what you're doing at home or maybe what we do in the RV, but is there anything special about what you do at school or things you do with your friends? Music is also in there. Um, I'm percussion. And if you don't know what that is, it's drums. Anything that like you hit something, like you use the motion of hitting something. Mm-hmm. And that is very fun. It's just fun to play along with different bands on the drum set and other instruments. And then another one is um, tech ed. I I find that very enjoyable. I like working in the shop. And then all the 3D modeling is pretty fun, too. Yeah. Are you going to be able to do any of that kind of stuff on the road? Or do you have any ideas of what we're going to do in the RV to keep practicing those things? The 3D designing. I also like drawing Mm -hmm. and one of my hobbies is fly tying, so I could maybe go to a fly shop if we could do go and um, look at the flies, maybe take pictures, and then I'll go home and draw it and kind of recreate it in my version and make it, which mm-hmm. I think is really fun. And then the band, I like to play, I'll play piano once in a while and the drums if we bring them along. Yeah, we probably won't bring the whole drum set, but maybe the drum pad or something like that we can practice with. And we've talked about like, there's a there's quite a few public libraries that have pianos so we could practice there. And then I don't know even know if you know this, but we'll be stopping at, uh, we have a museum pass. That's that pass that we got that has memberships where we can go to all these different like science museums around the country. So I know like when we stop in Minneapolis, we're going to go to the science museum and there's probably some cool modeling, design, engineering stuff there based on what I've seen so far. So we also can stop places and and do tech ed type stuff there too. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. Museums are kind of fun. We've also been to museums where it's like you go and just play in them, and that sounds totally not like a museum to me. <laughs> when I think, when I hear the word museum, I think of don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> True, right? Yeah, there's been a couple of those. Do you remember when we were in Cincinnati? 
it was, I think it was an art museum, wasn't it? Or no, it was Cleveland in Cleveland, the art museum in Cleveland. And we were like, yeah, mom's going to have an anxiety attack. We got to (laughs) go. Yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, My brother would not stop touching things if I remember the right museum. Yeah. And there was a full armored knight, full size that was huge. And I was like, we need to leave because I have a feeling this is just going to like come crashing down and I'll be like, oopsies. Because, you know, little monster, he that's kind of how he is. Kind of rolls yeah. that way. I remember this one museum. It was when I broke my pinky, which was not that fun of an experience. But it was like a toothpick model. And Michael was like centimeters away from just like bumping into it. And pretty much everyone in my family was just like, ooh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why we call him Little Monster, don't we? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the one we went to down in Texas? You and I and your sister went to Texas. Do you remember this at all? Uh, why we went and what we were doing? No. Not what is really. one of your travel goals? I like to experience baseball because baseball I think is very interesting and one of the things we do that we like to do while traveling is to travel to the baseball stadiums and I have a goal to hit all 30 baseball stadiums before I graduate from high school yeah and right now I think I'm at like 18 or something like that yeah I think you're pretty close yeah we didn't do any last summer except for Field of Dreams which is still pretty cool that was a yeah that was pretty interesting it's kind of cool because when you drive in You're just in the middle of nowhere, corn everywhere. Occasionally, you'll see a house and a farm. And then right here, you just have a whole bunch of people in this driveway. There's a baseball field, a house, and, like, this big, like, barn almost, like, for a gift shop. And then off in the distance, kind of, you can see kind of where they actually play. Yeah. Which is, I just think, ruins the whole aspect of, like, the Field of Dreams, Mm -hmm. old stuff style baseball field it's like this big stadium that they're putting up there's kind of loud noises and i just think it kind of ruins the whole aspect but they still have the community field right they didn't take over the community field they have that's i thought that was kind of cool like you could actually go play baseball yeah that was that was pretty cool we should talk about this so i don't know if you even remember but when you were maybe two years old you loved baseball. Like you would sit and watch baseball games for hours. I still do that now. <laughs> yeah, you can sit and watch a lot of stuff. It's kind of interesting. But you're not, I wouldn't call you like a screen person, not like your brother likes to watch oh, on the no, screen. No, no. You're much more active. But you woke us up at six o'clock in the morning to go play baseball outside. Like you <laughs> would get up every morning and we had to play baseball. And sometimes we play baseball six or seven times a day. So. I know that there was a deep love and and when that happened, you know, I love to travel. So I was like, all right, we got a travel goal for this one. (laughs) And so we started hitting the Major League Baseball stadiums. Do you remember the very first one you went to? I actually don't remember that one. I think it was down in the... It was St. Louis. St. Louis, probably. Little man, take listeners on this journey, okay? We are, let's say it's July. We've been in the RV now for several months. If you were in charge of designing where we would show up and what we would do that day, what would we be doing? Well, July. So that means summer, if I'm correct. <laughs> that means summer, sweetie. Um, so it would be in summer, which is about late spring, summer through fall, almost in the winter for mine is fly fishing and fly tying. 
So I'd be all over fly fishing, asking almost every day, are we going to go fly fishing today? Are we going to go for fly shop today? Can I tie flies? Can I go fly fishing again? <laughs> and it would just be all about uphill research. Like when the kids are, were taking longer drives, I'd probably, and when the kids are watching movies, I'll probably go on the phone and do research. Like where can I fly fish in like Montana or something? Or like, how did you start? fly fishing like what was it that drew you to fly fishing or any of that kind of stuff like where there's a lot of different types of fishing why is fly fishing the thing that you're so excited about I don't really know why I chose fly fishing I started off with just like how we all usually start off with just a little push button kid rod and a bobber and go with my uncles out fishing and we cut fish but my grandpa owns a trout farm and he raises all the fish so I know a lot about how they like the water temps how the sun affects how they grow and the color of the fish and one day I think I was about 10 ish when he was moving the fish up to like ponds because he keeps them in tanks since they're like he hatches them so he has them that long and then he was moving them you couldn't get all the fish out because of, like, the tank structure. They're kind of narrow and very long, and you just could not catch them. So the ones he left, there's a pond below, like, a drain-out pond, and then that goes into a marsh. But it was a pond, and it was just full of weeds. The only thing I knew that lived there was frogs and maybe a muskrat or two mm-hmm. that would sneak in there that would mud up the pond. And he drained them into that pond and told me, there's fish in that pond. Here you go. They're like your fish. You can take care of them and everything. And I'm well, what I thought when I heard that, I'm like, ooh, fishing in my backyard. <laughs> so I think it was about middle of the fall. It was a warmer fall. And it was around the COVID year. And I was homeschooling ish, if you would say. And for what, some reason, I watched this video on YouTube of fly fishing. Like, what is this? And then I researched it more and realized that you can actually tie flies to use that for fishing. And I just thought that was very interesting. So I kind of started and I found these old, old, I think ice fishing stuff. And it was like a click, click reel that you almost use for like catfishing where like when it takes out line, it'll click. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it kind of looks like a fly rod. So I sort of took it apart and just took the reel off and put it on like one of my fishing rods, which I had a spinning rod, which is I started doing it with kind of like spinny tails and stuff, which is just pretty much like a plastic bait. It kind of looks like a big grub that you with like a spinny tail that looks like a seat. And when you, you put it on like a hook and you cast it and when you're reeling it in the tail, like, spins from the water rushing by it okay and it just spins and it like attracts the fish from like the shiny colors and the movement they think food and they just try to go after it and i would not okay. getting any success doing that i'm like oh want to just try a fly because i see so many people catching big monster trophy fish on them and i'm like all right on youtube you mean yeah on youtube you're seeing all these huge yeah, yeah. of course everything online is real right <laughs> well <laughs> it is true, and then I did more research, and like, yeah, they do catch that big. And I started, well, my 
great-grandpa, I think, he was a fly tire, and I was tying a fly. I was, like, in the process of it almost, and I'm, like, on the phone, how do I tie a fly? And I was watching this video. I don't even know if I was watching a video. I just came up with this fly that I had in my head. So I was just starting, trying to figure out how to tie this thing with, I think it's, like, craft yarn or embroidery floss. Yeah, I think it was embroidery yeah, it was floss. embroidery yeah. floss. And I had these my mom's, like, craft scissors, like, really small kind of scissors. And I was in the middle of it, like, picking up colors, and I had a hook. It was a size 8, which is two centimeters long, I think. So it's a smaller hook. And I um, was trying to figure out, and you actually came down, and like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to tie a fly. And you're like, oh, my grandpa used to do that. And I'm like, oh, can you, like, teach me? And we kind of started, and we tried it. It was just very entertaining. And then I tried the fly and I actually caught a fish on it. Did you really? Old, yeah. With an old ice fishing reel <laughs> put on a modern day spinning rod pole. And somehow, somehow I managed to get the fly in the water without hooking a tree or anything. I just kind of fell in love and I just, I think I tied about a total of 10 flies that day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it wasn't like all of a sudden, right? It was a gradual growth, and I remember you getting really into it. So let me tell the story a little bit. Um, yes, you t- you mentioned that grandpa, grandma and grandpa own a fish farm. That fish farm, it's a trout farm here in northeast Wisconsin. That trout farm was actually founded by my grandpa, Grandpa Wally, and that is partially how my mom and dad met and got married. So grandma and grandpa have been working on that trout farm for their entire lives. And so there's a lot of history with fly fishing. My grandpa was very actively involved and we'll come up to, to some of those stories here in a little bit, little man. But I want to talk about the Christmas that you got the fly tying kit. Mm. Do you remember that? And and how did that change? I don't know if the, like the trajectory or start changing the game because you were no longer using embroidery floss and mom's sewing kit. What did you start doing? First of all, I didn't have to hold the hook with my hand, which I could use two hands. I could hold the stuff that was in tie on and then tie actually on to like wrap it around. And then it almost like exploded. All of my uncles supported me for fly tying and I just thought it was a very funny experience. And then I just fell in love. Yeah. Let's talk about the day that we were at your cousin's baseball game. And you asked if you could stay and you were going to hang out with your cousin and go back with your uncle. He didn't come back with you guys. You ended up going one-on-one and hanging out with your uncle. And what did you do that day? First of all, we went to my cousin's um, baseball game. And and after the game, I was talking with my cousin and I asked you if I could stay and hang out like at his house and play. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. Well, after you guys left, we kind of hung around the stadium for a while and I hit baseballs. <laughs> Keaton was talking with his friends and then my uncle asked if he was going to come home and he asked could I stay with if he could stay with his friends. And on the ride home, he's like, "Well, I guess that kind of blew it for you hanging out with Keaton. So, do you want to hang out with me? I could give you some five tying stuff and some fishing stuff if you go out west or anything." I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So we sat for about three hours there. I got deer hair, a whole bunch of feathers, peacock curl, 
and a whole bunch of stuff from fly tying and then some lures and we got back and I had this grocery bag full of um stuff that <laughs> dead animal parts really right <laughs> <laughs> yeah in a way <laughs> and then I had so much stuff and a few of them were squirrel tails and they were like big squirrel tails and they were like hanging out the bag and he's like why don't you leave those in the car so it doesn't look like we just shot a whole bunch of squirrels and carry them around and I'm like yeah good idea so then um we watched his game and I I went home and I started fly tying with all my new stuff yeah. And it's funny because my brother, um, you mentioned that I had taught you when I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight years old. I remember very vividly that my grandpa Wally would sit in the dining room table. He'd bring up all of his stuff from the basement and we'd transform the dining room table into a fly tying workshop. Hmm. I'm really grateful that you keep yours in your room. So thank you for that. <laughs> and one time he even... I don't know why he asked me to do this, but I was going to get my hair cut. I had really long hair and I was getting it cut to like my chin. So I was going to have a whole bunch of hair and it was a big deal because it was kind of like the first real big haircut. And he's like, well, bring me some hair and I'll make a fly out of it. So we literally made a fly out of my hair, which is kind of strange and peculiar now that I think about that. But I have a lot of really fun memories of making flies with my grandpa and this is now a whole new thing for you, right? Because we've you've taken this to the next level. When we were on our RV trip this summer, you guys, I'm not even lying. He was studying the fly tying Bible. We checked it out at the library. It was probably a thousand pages. And you just sat, read the books. What is it good for? What does it look like? Am I making this right technique or whatever it is that I need to do? So how has this now evolved for you and become more than just a fun thing you do in your bedroom. To go back to the fly tying Bible, it was actually not a thousand pages. It was actually like 156 or so. Okay, thanks for the correction. <laughs> and fly tying is really fun, but one of the challenges I have is keeping the dog away from it yeah. so she doesn't eat it. And I've actually had several incidents of where she eaten the my stuff. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, so we have a Weimariner, and when you are using dried animal fur. She smells the fur. dog doesn't know the difference between a real squirrel and a dead squirrel or a squirrel tail that has been treated. So we've had lots of issues with the dog, haven't we? Do you want to talk about the next phase? So what happened this summer when you were in the RV and, and when you got home, what'd you do with the fly tying? When I got home this summer, I'm actually starting a website called CD Fly Fishing and I have very little orders, some from my grandpa and some from other people that I kind of told, and they wanted some. It's kind of starting on my own business. It's really fun because I can do the stuff, like what my hobbies, and I could make a living out of it. And there's so much to learn from this, right? Because when we decided now that, okay, we're going to be homeschooling, what is one of the big projects that you're going to be working on? Um, one of the big projects is going to be working on my website and getting it up and running. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what people will find once it's up and running, because it's got a little ways to go. We're just getting started. But what are some of the things we've been working on? Um, One of the things that we've been working on is actually getting the like the home pages done, like about me, kind of how I started. And then one of the bigger ones for a fly tying website is the shop. And I have to type out all 
what this fly is for and how to tie it and what it's used for. Yeah. So one of the things that you have to do is really teach people, right? Because when people are asking for orders, what are you already experiencing? People are asking what? When they want to order flies, what are you finding? Um, I'm finding that they either know what they're doing and they want a specific fly. So I have to tie it obviously really good or sometimes actually sloppy and the fish will like it better which I think is kind of surprising. Interesting. And other times there's brand new people and they're asking, actually one of my teachers wanted to order some, one of the people she knows for a Christmas present because he fly fishes. And she was wondering, she found out I was talking about it because you almost teach me how to do it. And I'm like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to teach, isn't it? Actually, it's not hard to teach. It is hard to teach when you only have one rod, though. That's yeah. kind of interesting. But one of the things we talked about is how could we use the website to be a teaching tool, right? So people can better understand. You know, we created that format, and people could learn what type of fish they're looking for, what type of environment you'll find these fish. But then we got talking that there's really four, there's more, but we'll talk about four. What are the four different classifications of flies that are used primarily for fly fishing? So the four main types of the flies are dry flies, which are, they mimic insects that are rising out from the bottom of the water, from the, in the water, and they rise to the surface, and they fly away. And we call them hatches which fish love it because it's easy for its food source. What time of year do the insects hatch, or does that really vary on where you're fishing? It really actually varies not where you're fishing, but what insects are them. Mm. Some of the major hatches are called mayfly spinners, spinner hatch, and I think those are in about May, and it's just crazy. It looks like there's just, it almost looks like it's snowing, but instead of the snow falling down, it's going up. (laughs) And... It's just crazy. The fish are jumping everywhere, and it's just awesome. That's something maybe we should put on our list of try <laughs> yeah, to experience, huh? I hope. <laughs> I could hear the smile. You aren't the first person that's told me about that, though, that it's just like the water is lifting up to the sky. Yeah. Um. Back to like the different types of flies. Another one is nymph, which kind of relates to the dry fly. Actually, all of them kind of relate to each other. But a nymph is to mimic a fly in the larva stage it mimics um insect under the water does not have wings and it's just kind of floating around on rocks and stuff so obviously it's not like a dry fly where the fly is on top of the water the fly is actually below the water so we will actually put weight on the fly to make it sink some flies are so easy that you put a piece of weight on a hook wrap some black thread around it and then wrap a steel wire around up into the hook, tie the wire off, and finish the fly. And you can actually catch boatloads of fish on just that. What's the name of that? Um, I actually do not know the name of it. Then there's another one called the wet fly, which is kind of like a dry fly-ish, but you use it for fast-flowing rivers when you can't get your fly to stay afloat. So you just use it and throw it into the water and then you kind of use it as a streamer, which I'll talk about in a little bit. It almost goes for insects trying to swim to different hiding places. 
so they don't get eaten, and then they get stuck in the current. And then another one is a streamer. Streamers mimic, this. these are the ones that don't mimic insects. These ones mimic actual fish and other, like, maybe a frog or a crayfish or something. Something bigger than an insect. <laughs> and these you're going for, like, the top fish, like brown trout, rainbow trout. Those ones eat, actually, other common ones, which are the brook, brook trout and cutthroat trout. You throw them into the current, and you just kind of keep it there. So they're usually bigger, and they usually have excess feathers and stuff going off. And occasionally you'll get, like, almost side current to move the fly. So it almost looks like it's kicking into, the, like, the fish is swimming into the current. And the bigger fish will come and eat it. And I just, it's almost like when you're bass fishing and you're using a Rapala and you just get absolutely hammered. It's like that, but uh, on a rod. That you can literally feel, like, if a minnow touches it, you can feel it hitting it. Hmm. How is fly fishing, like, what would you be fishing for if you were fly fishing? What kind of fish are most prevalent for fly fishing? Um, There's really not the most prevalent fish. So, the most common type of fishing is um just regular rod and reel fishing, which is casting or bobber fishing. To be honest, anything that you can catch on a... Regular fishing rod, you can catch on a fly rod, which I think that is pretty cool, too. Really? I've really only heard of fly fishing. Maybe it's just because I was raised up around trout. I always just thought it was mostly for trout. That's not true, huh? No, it's for it's for everything. What are you most looking forward to? If you could go fly fishing on this trip, what type of fish would you like to fish for? I'd probably go for rainbow trout. Bass, northern pike, walleye, salmon, brown trout, and rainbow trout. That's what I'd probably go for. And maybe a crappie or two once in a while. What do you do with the fish afterwards? Do you just release them or do you eat them? It depends on the limit. Either release them or eat them. Okay. What's your favorite fish to eat? Um, So far, walleye. Yeah. Um, fried walleye. A good old Wisconsin fish fry, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, little man. Well, that has been fascinating. I'm really excited to do this website thing with you and study and learn more. I'm always fascinated by how much you've learned. I think it has not just fly fishing, but creating and tying your own flies seems to be the perfect combination of nature and the outdoors. Because even as a kid, you would be teaching us things like that roadrunners eat water rattlesnakes. I had no idea about that. <laughs> but it also... Um, lends itself really well to the artistic side that you have too. So it's been a really fun adventure for me to watch as a mom. Really proud of you. Anything else you want to share with listeners before we sign off today? Um, No, I think I'm good. Okay. So if people wanted to follow up with you soon, or maybe they can reach out to me first if they want to place any orders or anything like that. Otherwise, we'll have the website up and we'll hopefully, maybe we can launch the website at least a small version of it. Maybe not everything will be up, but we'll, we'll do that maybe here in a couple of weeks once we get on the road, okay? Well, websites are really never complete. True story, buddy. And there you have it. And I have to give this kid credit. He had just had major dental work and just got braces put on the day before this interview. And I said, are you sure you really want to go through with this? And he was like, yeah, no, I got this. So I give him credit. It was hard for him to pronunciate a lot of his words, but he's working through it and he sounds a lot better. I have five key takeaways from this episode. Number one, little man is excited to work at his own speed in different formats, focusing on his interests. If you could design your own learning, what would you want to study and get better at? 
Number two, when he thinks of museums, he thinks don't touch. Much of our understanding is shaped by our experiences. Number three, his interest in fly fishing and tying flies was a slow progression building over years. He acknowledged his beginning was messy start with a cobbled together rod and reel and creating a fly with my sewing supplies. It's not about the gear. Have a messy start, test things out, and see if you like it. Continue to grow and learn with the progress. Number four, as you heard, fly tying and fly fishing embraces the wilderness from various fur and feathers, from hunting to understanding the cycles of nature. Number five, if you are interested in fly fishing or fly tying or learned something from this episode and would like to support him in this effort, you can either place an order using the link in the show notes or join the email list to follow the launch of his website. And again, you can join that at OrdinarySherpa.com backslash fly fishing. Thank you so much for supporting us, for enjoying. If you found this episode valuable, if you're enjoying this type of content, let me know. I love getting messages from listeners. Throw a review in the podcast or send me an email or contact us on our website. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what you're getting out of the show or if there's content you'd like to hear in the future. Until next time, be brave and keep going value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.